0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back to back to back, CONCACAF champions. U.S. Miss National Team repeats as Nations League champion, once again, hoisting the trophy after a pretty significant victory over Canada, where it really felt like there was a golfing class between the two squads. Coming off of... Uh, the U.S. Men's National Team's inability to beat Canada in World Cup qualifying, tying them once in Nashville and then losing to them away in Canada, it was quite the treat for U.S. Men's National Team fans to see the ball hit the back of the net over and over again, to see Alfonso Davies and company get stymied, and and to see the U.S. just look like the far and away the best team in Concacaf. An incredible performance, I, I think. A lot of interesting things uh, coming into this game, and then a lot of interesting things after this game. I mean, you look at the lineup, you look at who did and didn't play. I think Luca Della is a huge story here. Baligan, Reyna, Aronson, Scally, Chris Richards. I mean, some tremendous stories coming out of this. We're going to get into the lineup. We're going to get into how everyone played Kind of some big picture stuff. All that and more on this episode of The Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is The Yank Report, a show all about the U.S. men's national team. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button. It's a great time to hit the subscribe button because this team, it just This is the best US Men's national team I've ever seen. Let's hop into the lineups, but before we do, let's hear a word from this week's sponsor. BetOnline is your number one source for all your basketball news, stats, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest match reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs, from basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL, hockey, golf, to UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right now from your home get into the action today so head over to our website and use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code believe to receive your 50 percent bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts so the U.S. came out with a bit more of an attacking lineup than anybody expected coming into the game we found out that Miles Robinson was injured following the Mexico game so he would have to be replaced and Sergio Dest and Wes McKinney would be suspended due to red cards everybody assumed that Joe Scally would be coming in for Sergio Dest that Miles Robinson was going to be replaced by either Walker Zimmerman or Austin Trusty, and that Luca Delatorre was going to take over that eight spot from Wes McKinney that's not what we got. We got Walker Zimmerman and Joe Scally, but we also got Brendan Aronson in the midfield. This was a bit surprising, I would say, uh, for US Men's National Team fans. People were openly questioning BJ at this point because Luka Del Torre is one of those guys that feels like he's on the cusp of being one of the core guys. He just had a pretty good season in La Liga and he plays as an eight more or less over there. So it was assumed that he would step into this position and it, this is the issue with Luca for me is he's never really had that opportunity to step up in the big moment and show what he can do for this squad, show that he's a player that is definitely a core member of the team and potentially pushing for starting minutes because I have people in my mentions and in the comments section constantly telling me that Luca Delatore Torre is going to be that guy. More on Luca Del La Torre later. I think the big overview for this game is that in the last two games against Canada, the U.S. has really struggled to break down their, their defensive block has struggled to um, have the creativity and uh, and and final ball in the final third and that finishing in the final third to really put Canada away. So that was the big question mark coming into this. Will the presence of Gio Reyna and Florian Balogun add to this attack and allow the U.S. to break down Canada, which it's so often struggled to do? On the flip side, defensively, it was all going to be about how the U.S. defended the counterattack. Now, we know that Canada likes to defend and then counter, and they have some absolute horses in order to do that. Alfonso Davies is just one of the best left backs in the world. And whenever he's attacking on that left-hand side for Canada, there's just nothing really you can do about it in the sense that like nobody's gonna mark him out of the game. He's gonna he's gonna take skins and he's gonna take souls. It's just can you uh, trouble him enough and track your runners in transition to nullify his impact on the game. There were some questions coming in about whether Aronson and Geo were going to be able to do that. There was some nervousness there, but we'll get to that whenever we get to those players. Let's get into the specific players and talk about how they did, starting with the goalkeeper, Matt Turner. Another game where Matt Turner didn't really have to make some big saves. He was, he was a presence there whenever we needed him. Uh, we know Matt Turner is wonderful at shot stopping, and we didn't really have to see that from Matt Turner over these last two games, and I think that speaks to the quality of the U.S.'s ability to uh, stop the opposition from uh, getting a, a goal-scoring opportunities, and that's something that we saw. That's a holdover from World Cup qualifying and the World Cup. The U.S. has long been a squad that's very difficult to get opportunities and chances from, but the question mark for uh, Matt Turner was always his distribution. I think in this game, what we saw is that the U.S. didn't really build from the back a whole lot. So that meant that Matt Turner didn't really have to make those short passes out of the back. The majority of Matt Turner's distribution was was long kicks. And some of those long kicks ended up really advantageous for the U.S. There was a long ball that led to the second goal. It was a scrum where the U.S. Uh, won the second ball, settled it, eventually found Gio Reyna, who found Balogun for that second goal. And there was another opportunity kind of later in the game where Matt Turner went direct with a with a kick. And it ended up putting the Canada defense in sixes and sevens and the Canada center back headed it back towards his goal. And, and the Canada keeper had to make a save there to keep it out of the net. So Turner's long balls at, at this game, at least were a factor. Moving on to Joe Scally, And this is this is a player that I think everybody had their eyes on coming into this game. Joe Scalley has yet to have that performance with the U.S. men's national team where it solidifies him as just a, a, a nailed on part of this group moving forward. I think he had it tonight. I think he had a star moment. The big question was going to be, how is the U.S. going to defend Davies? Scally was going to be lined up with Davies. And although I didn't expect him to just completely handcuff Davies and not let him get loose, like Davies is going to beat you at some point. He beats everybody. And he definitely beat Scally at times throughout the night. But it was the way that Scally reacted to that, that really defined how the U.S. defended Davies throughout the night. Whenever he'd get beat, he would not lose focus he would not lose concentration he would get back and there were several moments throughout the game where scally kind of came in at the nick of time and and either defended a ball or or was able to make a defensive stop or at least slow down davies and company enough to where defenders can get back i was really impressed by joe scally in this game again the us didn't really build from the back so we didn't really get to see that that distribution from the back or his his possession from the back we didn't really see him do what sergino Des usually does where you know, he de- des will beat players on the dribble and matriculate the ball up the field. The U.S. wasn't really playing that game, so we didn't get to see that from Scally. But what a performance from the young man. Even at the end of the night, towards like the 80th minute, Scally went down after a collision and ends up getting stretchered off and comes back on. Just the quintessential time-wasting stretchered off in the Nations League and Concacaf, uh, something that Joe Scally has in his locker. You know that he, he's a guy with a little bit of guile, and you kind of respect that out of him. So this is a performance where Scally is definitely in the fullback conversation. I think that Anthony Robinson and Dest are still the guys. But just knowing that if one of those guys can't go for any reason, you have a replacement who can play both right back and left back at a very competent level, is not going to be intimidated by the moment, is going to be able to defend competently, is going to be able to put in a shift, and you're just not going to lose all that much when he's in the game. I mean, it's a major, major Uh, raising of the floor moment for the U.S. men's national team. Super excited about Scally's performance. Moving on to the center back pairing, it was Zimmerman and Richards. Some people thought it should be trusty, but Zimmerman ends up getting the nod. Um, I was a bit nervous about Zimmerman covering in transition. Is he going to have the legs to keep up uh, with David and Davies and company? And it was not an issue all night for Zimmerman. I thought that he was just the classic Zimmerman performance where he's dominant in the air. He's an athlete. He won a few balls off set pieces. That physical presence. He had a few really nice tackles in the box that kept Canada from getting opportunities to score. A strong performance from Walker Zimmerman that you'd expect. I think at this point from Walker Zimmerman, where his role is going to be. You know, if some of our other guys go down injured, can we have someone step up and really put in a shift? And I think having Zimmerman, at least for the time being, considering his age and and where he's going to be at the end of the cycle, I don't know. But to have that guy in this moment was was tremendous. And just really speaks to the overall quality of this squad in this moment but for the center backs the night was all about chris richards another star making performance another performance where it looks like chris richards is going to be our starting center back throughout this cycle it's just a question of who's going to pair next to chris richards the man won everything in the air he ends up getting his first goal off of a corner kick. Everything that you could ask of a center back he delivered in this game. And against really good competition as well. I mean, Kyle Lahren and Jonathan David are among the best strikers in CONCACAF. Chris Richards delivered the physicality. He delivered the athleticism. He delivered the poise under the pressure. Just everything that you could ask for against that quality of uh, opposition. And let's not forget about the moment later in the game where Chris Richards won a corner kick and he he directed it back to Balogun's feet. And Balogun had a rip from point blank range and was not able to go in. I mean, Chris Richards' impact on the set pieces in this game was unbelievable. And I didn't know that he had that in him. So to see it uh, just another set piece weapon for the U.S. men's national team which was a question mark coming in and an absolute star making performance for Chris Richards. We move on to Jedi Robinson. And I think that you have to speak about his defensive performance for this game. I think whenever you hear like a defender pocketed a player, you hear that thrown around every now and then. Larea got pocketed in this game. He got absolutely nothing off of Anthony Robinson. Nobody could get to the end line against that guy. Um, In fact, there was a moment around the 30th minute mark where Davies actually switched sides with Larea to kind of test Anthony Robinson there, and there was just nothing coming for him. Really impressive defensive performances by Anthony Robinson. He had limited offensive contributions, but I think that's kind of what you want. If if you're the U.S. men's national team, you don't really want Robinson in the attacking third making a big impact there. He's just not that guy. But defensively, he was locked down, not just in his one-on-one duels, but in his tracking of runners and being that guy at the back post. There were several instances where Robinson made clearances and and saved balls to the back post that could have otherwise gone into the back of the net. Really sharp performance for him. Just really impressed by him and just continues to hold down that left back spot for the US men's national team. So we move into the midfield, and I, I have one note for Eunice Musa. It was just that he was simple in possession. I think we weren't really asking for him to be a deep line playmaker or anything. And because we didn't really build from the back all that much, we weren't looking for him to make those trademark Musa runs where he gets the ball in the defensive third and dribbles it all the way up to the final third. What we were looking for him to do was to win second balls whenever we played long and to slow Canada down whenever they attempted to counterattack us and to really muck things up in the midfield. And what a force that he was. His athleticism, his range, and then his ability with the ball once that once he's able to make that turnovers, you just can't get the ball off of him if you're the opposition. He's risen to the point where people are questioning when Tyler Adams returns, can you take Musa off the field? And I don't know the answer to that question right now. I don't know what happens when Tyler Adams returns. I don't know what you do in that situation because Musa has been so damn good, and we really haven't lost a beat defensively. After losing Tyler Adams, and that's saying something because Adams is an incredible defender. Now we move on to one of the main stories, I think, for the U.S. Men's National Team coming out of this game, and that was Gio Reyna. I don't know if I would go as far as to say it was a star-making performance for Gio Reyna because he was already a star, but I think it might have been his best performance in a U.S. Men's National Team shirt and really solidified just what we're looking forward to during this cycle with a healthy Gio Reyna in the mix and be able to make runs through that midfield. I was nervous coming in about Gio, about his defensive capability in the midfield, about his ability to track runners. It wasn't really an issue. And and I think Gio played better defensively than I'm really giving him credit for. I think he has the willingness, he has the physicality, he has the athleticism to get in people's faces. Look, he's not Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, or Yunus Musa when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. But he's not so bad that he's a liability at least in games where the opposition is not one of the top teams in the world is going to be able to dictate possession for 90 minutes. I think in games like this, having Gio in the midfield is is a phenomenal option. And boy, oh boy, did he come through. He delivers the set piece for the first goal to Chris Richards. The story has been written so many times that the U.S. just really struggled with set pieces throughout all of last cycle. Christian Pulisic was delivering the majority of the corner kicks and set pieces, and his delivery was just not up to par. Gio Reyna has instantly changed that, uh, coming back into the squad, and it's paying dividends immediately. And then the second goal, where uh, a ball turns over, it's off a second ball, just kind of the game plan that we had. Uh, Matt Turner kicks it long, we win the second ball, and in the confusion, Gio Reyna ends up running at the back line. He slips in Balogun, who's making a run to the near post, and Balogun makes no mistake. And, And I think this is a big thing that was missing in the last World Cup qualifying, we just didn't really have players who could play that final ball in, and we didn't have a striker who could finish that up. We'll talk about Balogun whenever we get to Balogun, but Gio's impact on this game—just winning cage matches in the middle, the opposition just having no ability to take the ball off of him. There was a moment in the 41st minute where Gio just ran through the entire nation of Canada with the ball and ended up springing an attack. Uh, the guy is is a force to be reckoned with. It's going to be. Interesting whenever Tyler Adams comes back, how the midfield sort of shakes out. I think to Gio Reyna can be one of the best players on the pitch, regardless of what position you put him in. So I'm not worried too much about us losing too much if we put him at winger versus putting him at midfield. This thing with the midfield is really cooking right now. He's really impressed me with these two performances. I feel a lot more comfortable with him defensively than I did coming into these two. The guy's just really growing into that player. And game over game is becoming that superstar for the US men's national team that we hoped he could be. Now, speaking of superstars, Tim Weah just once again continues to show that he's a player that, despite his resume, despite what he's doing with his club situation, you just can't take him out of the US men's national team attack. His ability as that outlet, his ability as that player who is going to supply the verticality, who's going to make runs in behind, who's going to win that pressure. But not only that, he's also the guy that whenever we are playing long, he's that guy that we look for in that front line. He's that tall player. He's that guy that's going to win that battle, presumably against the opposition's left back. He's that guy that we look to for that. And and his his ability in those duels is, is phenomenal. And this game, it came up big time and time again because we were looking to go long. Tim Weah doesn't get the assist or the goal in this game. But time and time again, he was able to get, the, get to the in line against Canadian opposition, hit those cutback passes fire passes into Balogun's feet. They weren't able to connect, but you could just see it. You could see it brewing. I don't think that he was quite as effective in this game because he plays so well for Sergino Des when those two were able to combine and slip each other in. I feel like it's a different level for the U.S. men's national team. But yet, he was still one of the best players on the field for the U.S. He was still dangerous throughout the entire game. And and just a player that, how do you take him off the field? A full-strength U.S. men's national team has the type of question marks that really good teams have, which one of these really good players is not going to be on the field? I'm really excited to see uh, if we can ever get all of our players healthy, which is you know a, a dream in and of itself. what happens with Wea, what happens with Musa, with Adams? I know Reina is going to be on the field. I'm not sure where it's going to be. It's going to be really interesting. We move on to Falarin Balogun and I mean the, the first note I took was, so this is what it's like having a striker. A dude that was just all over it all night long, just causing problems for uh, the Canadian back line all night long. It is that, that piece that we just did not have throughout World Cup qualifying. And it made all the difference. I mean, not just what he was doing with the ball at his feet. His hold-up play was tremendous. His runs in behind were tremendous. But his pressing was fantastic. He nearly won the ball off of the Canadian goalkeeper. Defensively, he was stout. Uh, just... A complete performance as a striker. One thing I don't know that I gave Balogun enough credit for was his strength. I mean, he's not a very big guy and he's pretty skinny, but he's able to hold off defenders. And I think we saw that in that second goal where Gio Reyna has the ball. Balogun spots the run. And this is the thing that you see time and time again with great goal scorers. It's not just their ability to finish. It's not just their physicality or their speed or these measurables. It's their ability to spot where the goal is coming. That that innate ability to understand, to read sort of the defenders and the player with the ball and understand where he needs to get and when in order to put himself in the best position to score a goal. And we saw that on that play. Balogun is running at the Canadian back line. Gio Reyna has the ball and and Balogun's just pointing, pointing to the spot where he wants Gio to put the ball. Uh, He makes that run in behind. Gio plays a perfectly weighted ball, reminiscent of what we saw uh, for uh, Borussia Dortmund whenever Holland was still receiving balls from Gio and Balogun makes no mistake. I mean, just a really powerful finish, a powerful run where he had to hold off that Canadian player. It's just a run that I don't know that we've, uh, uh, I don't recall a, a U.S. Men's national team striker making that run, having the strength and having the poise to, to and the speed to get to that spot and putting it away. And it's just one of those goals. I mean, this is kind of a big picture thing, but I guess we could talk about it right here. Whatever you consider, The US's struggles to score goals last cycle. And so much of it was that we needed perfect plays in order to score goals. We didn't have that goal scorer. We didn't have that player that was just going to harass the opposition and find goals on their own. And we couldn't score from set pieces. And on the night, though the US dominated possession and dominated most of the phases of the game, I felt like against Canada previously, we had some pretty dominant performances, but we were just not able to get those simple goals. On this night, we were able to get the set piece goal and we were able to get this striker goal. I mean, this is a pure striker goal that you see at the highest levels of the game that we just did not have throughout World Cup qualifying. And whenever you're able to put those pieces together with the other quality that we have uh, around the field, it gives us the opportunity for some of our other attackers and some of our other players to not put in uh, game-breaking performances, to not put in world-class performances. Guys like Christian Pulisic don't have to worry about being the superstar and, and taking all these chances and having the, the the game on their back, they can just make the smart play and trust that the quality around them is going to be able to carry their weight and, and win games like this, and that's what we saw tonight. A, a phenomenal game from Balogun. He had many opportunities. He's able to put one away, and, and this is just, I think, a glimpse of what we're going to see throughout this cycle and just what a, what a joy it is to have a, a striker that's going to be reliable and be able to go out there and cause these types of problems and score these types of goals for a squad that really struggled to score these types of goals in the previous cycle. Now, for the last starter, it was Christian Pulisic. And I I think I, I just went over it, man. Christian Pulisic did not have to be a superstar in this game. And I think throughout the previous World Cup qualifying cycle, especially early on, it really felt like Christian Pulisic was carrying so much weight and really felt like he had to do so much. I mean, he was playing hero ball out there, He was trying to take players on. He was trying to do things that he doesn't normally does. And it ended up in him being just way too frustrated, getting fouled way too much, getting uh, harassed and beaten up and and just being upset throughout these games. We didn't see that in this game. We didn't really need Christian Pulisic to be the superstar. He had a relatively quiet game. Um, He played his part. Now, he absolutely dusted some Canadian defenders there, here and there, and he's apt to do that but it just didn't quite come off for him, but he didn't have to. And I think that that speaks to the quality of this team and sort of where this thing is going. Now we move on to the subs and guys, we got to talk. We got to have a conversation. Uh, We got to talk about Luca De La Torre because, you know, for a long time now, I've just been hearing the the praise and the wonder about Luca De La Torre, hearing people say that uh, he should be a starter on this squad, that he just adds so much offensively. Uh, just basically that he's Kevin De Bruyne or reincarnated for the U.S. Men's National Team, and I, I just haven't seen it. And I've been waiting and saying uh, I'm just waiting to see it from Luca Torre. I have questions about some of the things in his game. I want to see it against quality opposition for 90 minutes. Um, coming into this game, I really expected it to be Luca Torre. and I was excited for that because this is the exact type of game that I want to see Luca start in and show well. I thought that this could be a star-making performance for Luca Torre, a performance where he really. Uh shuts up the 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 critics, potentially like me, and and says, No, I deserve to be on this squad. I deserve to be potentially looked up as a starter. We didn't get that. Brendan Aronson got the nod over Luca Del Torre, and it was really surprising. I mean, reflecting back, Brendan Aronson didn't have a tremendous game tonight for the US men's national team. He was super active defensively. He kept a hand in, in on Alfonso Davies all night. He was an absolute nuisance. He fouled Davies a couple times in midfield just to slow things down. He just provided that that kind of Brendan Aronson thing where he's everywhere um in the attack. Brendan was just not that great. There was a couple moments where uh, he tried to slip in Tim Weah with some balls and was just not able to execute them. Uh just not really that special. But when you compare it to what Luca Della Torre did in the second half coming on for Gio Reyna, it just wasn't that great from Luca. I mean Coming in, you expected the American attack to kind of sit back a little bit more because we did have that 2-0 lead and we did lose Gio Reyna, who was just such a force in that midfield. But I was just really surprised by just the lack of defensive presence that Luca Del had. I mean, there were so many sequences where it felt like Luca was more or less a passenger, where Canada was just kind of dribbling around him. There were so many duels where he ended up on the ground, where he just kind of lost out. Now, I'm not saying he lost every single duel, um, he did win some tackles here or there. But of the midfielders for the U.S. men's national team, I don't think anybody lost the ball as much as Luca De La Torre. And on the flip side, in the attack, in those moments where he did pick up the ball in a pocket of space and was running at the defense, this is a spot where if he's going to be a bit of a liability defensively, you want him to be so good in the attack that um, he's going to make up for it. And he, just, he really didn't. I mean, he was okay. I, I don't know... That he was so much better than some of the replacements, and we'll talk about that later on. That I feel like he's he's part of that core group. Now, look, granted, he he did have a great season in La Liga, and that should mean something. And every player has bad performances. So maybe this isn't an indictment of Luca Della Tor- Torre completely, but this is more or less what I've been seeing from him. And I, I haven't really seen otherwise. I know that there's a lot of Luca Della Torre fans out there. I know that people are gonna uh, probably rip me in the comments for this or defend Luca. But if you look back at this game, if you look at his every touches, if you look at his involvement, if you look at the moments where um, Canada was playing balls into the box and Luca just wasn't tight to anybody defensively and was kind of late to covering guys, I, I just I, – I was surprised. I was really surprised by his performance. I, I just need better out of him. I'm waiting for – I want to be a believer, guys. I want to see it, but I'm just not seeing it yet. I'm not seeing the, the greatness on the ball that is so good that he has to be on, in the lineup – and defensively, I, I'm just really concerned every time that he steps on the field, and and I I feel like there was a, a the the Canada really started to get into the game and get into the midfield whenever he stepped on, and it just it just wasn't enough for me. And look, in that same game, let's talk about Johnny Cardoso because Johnny Cardoso came on pretty late in the game, but immediately I was I was surprised by how good he was, and and maybe it was because I was watching Luca and just expecting a lot of things from Luca. But there was a few moments where I saw something good happen in the midfield. And I was like, all right, there you go, Luca." And then look up and actually it was Johnny Cardoso. He's a bigger guy. He's more of a defensive presence. He's a a stronger presence. He got in there and immediately was tight to the attackers. Immediately was getting stuck in. Immediately was winning balls. And, And whenever the ball would fall to his feet, I was really impressed by his distribution. He made some really smart, simple passes but he also had some pretty good outlet passes. And that's just not something we were seeing from Luca De La Torre or Brennan Aronson prior to that. I was really impressed by, by Johnny Cardoso. And I wonder if he might've moved up a couple spots in that depth chart. And if I maybe want to see more Johnny in place of Luca and opportunities uh, coming up for the US Men's National Team. And last but not least, let's talk about Ricardo Pepe. He didn't have a tremendous amount of minutes to come into, but I felt like he's continuing to do that job of if he's going to be the late-game sub, come in and provide energy, make sure that you're doing the defensive work and you're pressing and you're strong on counters. And he absolutely did that. I mean, there was a a moment where Pepe nearly won the ball uh, and and had a a one-on-one with the Canadian keeper late in the game. But aside from that, he he popped up here and there, doing some really nice defensive work, getting back on the defense and, and pressing everywhere. These are the types of things that Pepe needs to do if he wants to be continued to call into the U.S. men's national team. I'm impressed by Pepe. I think this is a better Pepe than the last time we saw him with the U.S. Men's National Team. I think he is getting better. I'm excited to see what he looks like after another season in Europe where um, presumably he's going to be with a better team than he was last season with Groningen. Um, I think I think the, the upward trajectory is there. I don't know if he offers as much as Balogun in this moment, but having a striker that you can bring in off the bench and, and either kill games or come in and get minutes and and score goals and 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 be a threat in and of itself. I mean, that's something that we just haven't had for the U.S. men's national team, and Pepe is doing that role. So those are my thoughts on the individual performances. I mean, just a fantastic game for the U.S. Incredible feeling knowing that, I mean, the U.S. didn't have like a incredible performance against Canada. It's not like we had all these magical sequences. It's not like we had um, all these great individual plays and that uh, the U.S. just put together the greatest 90-minute shift ever. It really wasn't like that. It was just... We were better than them in every facet of the game, and we were able to go out there and execute. No player had to be Superman out there. It was kind of everybody pulled their weight, and whenever the chances came, we were able to take them. Not something that we were able to do in the previous uh, World Cup qualifying campaign. Impressive performance, considering that we were missing some really important guys. Impressive performance from... Guys that we were really hoping could step up and, and show what they could do and really did that. And Joe Scally and Chris Richards. Uh, Chris Richards, just an absolute star making performance, uh, putting himself, I think, as the number one center back moving forward for the U.S. Gio Arena showing what we already knew that he is going to be a, a massive factor for this squad for the next decade or so. Joe Scally, with a phenomenal performance. Valerian Balogun showing why everybody's so hyped to see him a true striker goal. A true striker performance just a wonderful 90 minutes for him uh really impressive performance for the us men's national team that shows off the pool we're gonna see get to see a little bit more of the pool as the Gold cup starts in just a couple weeks it's gonna be a soccer filled us men's national team field summer so i'm really excited for that excited for bj i think everybody kind of fell in love with bj um excited to see what bj can do in the in the Gold cup you know the summer of bj is not quite over yet we're gonna get a little bit more of him still And, and remember this Is the beginning of the cycle? We still have what are we, uh, three years left to the world cup. There's going to be more players that break out, there's going to be more dual internationals that join this squad. Uh, there's going to be players who are, are okay now, they're going to be great in, in a few years, and there's players that um, are, are very young right now, they're going to be breaking out. That's just what happens in cycles. So, this squad is only going to get better. This is only the beginning if you consider how young even our top players are and 24 years old with Christian Pulisic. Uh, there's just so much that's going to be added to this program through 2026 and beyond. So it's just an exciting time and I can't wait to spend it with you. There's going to be a, a few more videos that, I mean, I, I've been working on a video about the EPL for like a month now that I just haven't been able to put out. I got to do a video on uh, the the research involved coaching I talked in the last video about how uh, the data just not support the idea that uh, one coach is superior to the next coach. There's been a lot of studies on it. I'm going to do a video covering those studies and kind of explaining those results and, and why I, I feel the way that I do and, and the data that backs it up. Uh, we're going to have some Gold Cup content. I got to put together another uh, U.S. Men's National Team 2026 roster following these two games because I think that there's been some tremendous shakeups and some guys. That have come through in a big way. So, uh, there's going to be a lot of content coming. And of course, the Gold Cup. Thank you guys so much for watching. Let me know your thoughts on these two games. Let me know your thoughts on the USB and champions, on Joe Scalley, on Luca Della Torre, on, on Johnny, on on Chris Richards. Who really impressed you? What are you excited about? Let me know in the comment section. As always, if you want the Yankee Podcast form, you can get it anywhere that you get your podcast. Thank you for liking. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for hanging out. If you really want to support the channel, you can do so by becoming a member. Being a member directly supports me. It's a really cool thing to do. Shout out to my members, Manuel Alivarez, Matthew Doyle, Matthew Hanna, Michael Baker, Dan McVay, Mike Irish, Aaron M, Expats Everywhere, and Aaron Silva. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Online.